All right, guys, we are live again. Today I'm doing an interview with Joel Bain from Snake Pit USA. Um, so as you guys saw from my other post, we just got uh, shot down. Pretty much all the small businesses are getting shot down for those government loans if you don't have employees and big payrolls and shit like that. So if you want to help support me, uh, we got a couple ways to do it. One, I want to give a shout out to Sean over at schismatic gear he uh sent me this high quality rash guard thing i like about this stuff is it has the strips on the bottom that stop you from uh you know showing your fat midsection and shit like that so uh, go check out schismatic gear or schismatic industries on uh, their facebook page instagram page and their website if you want to support me financially go check out nokination.com uh, you know, we got Baby Yoda rash guards, Fuck Baby Jeff rash guards, Wicked Warrior Coffee, all that fun shit. So you can support me there. You can also support me by going to cbdyoumi.com forward slash Starlord. Um, they offer some of the best CBD products. And when Joel gets on, I'm sure he can attest to that as well. They're friends of his and myself. They also run Subversive Jiu-Jitsu um, grappling company. It's they partner up with Fight to Win, do these team events. Uh, it's really good CBD, great product, great guys who are supporting veterans and the grappling community. So uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on my guest, Joel Bain. Joel, you can hear me, dude? Yes, sir. How we doing, Josh? Good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, brother. It's good to dude, be here. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be talking to you again. I haven't seen you in a few months. How you doing with all this corona stuff? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, to me, uh, well, I'm sure most of the parents can uh, understand when they say when the kids are stuck at home and you're not used to homeschooling, things definitely take a change. Uh, but other than that, to me, it's I was deployed a lot of times. So and plus, I spent a thousand days and nights doing ICBM security in the missile fields, silos where I lived there for four days at a time for over a thousand days and nights. So to me, it really doesn't affect me at all. You know, I have a gym in my garage. Thank, thank God, I built it before this, and I got mats out there. I try to shoot some videos once in a while, but you know, it's tough to get guys out. But you know, I see my wife who's not quite used to it, but she's she's a bit of an introvert like me. I'm not, you know, I'm a I'm an outgoing person when it's called upon, when I need to represent something or be there for somebody or to support somebody or something that I believe in. But for the most part, I like keeping to myself and just living a private life. So to me, it doesn't affect me a whole heck of a lot. But yeah, the kids 24-7, I love them to death. But uh, <laughs> I'm no homeschool teacher, brother. <laughs> Dude, it can't be easy for uh, your kids having a former, what were you, a master sergeant in the Air Force? And, uh... Yeah, I was a master sergeant in a combat arms career field. I spent probably half my career with the Army, attached to a lot of a lot of units. So it's And those were always in Afghanistan and, and a Fort Dixon stateside. So... I guess I always fit in better over there. So. Yeah. It can't be easy having you as their homeschool teacher between that and the <laughs> catch wrestling MMA and jiu-jitsu. Like, oh, my God. You got to be running a Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the perfect – it's like we're watching uh, Vin Diesel's The Pacifier all over again. <laughs> well played. Well played. So for people who don't know you, how about you give everybody a little bit of your background in the military as well as your uh, MMA, catch wrestling, and jiu-jitsu background? Oh, gosh. Where do we start? Do you, I know. you want me to go through all this? I guess this Dude, is, I had Jake this, on yesterday. This, so this Jake... Now we end up doing a three-hour one like we were <laughs> talking about. It you, know, you know I'm painted about to get on these things, but you know I love you, so that's why I'm here. Um, 
And I, I mean that because I would never have done seminars with you if I didn't believe in you. So when you asked me to do it, I was like, I'm like, dude, I'll, yeah, of course I'll do that. You know? Yeah. You, you, and, you and Joel and Kenny, you guys are salt of the earth people. And like, I, I try to do my best to always stay hooked up with you guys. And whenever you guys need something, I'm always there for you guys too. And I had uh, Jake on yesterday. So we'll have to do sometime next week, get nice. you and Jake both on and just kind of tell some stories and shit like that. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. So in my military career, I was. Uh, I was a bit of a delinquent in high school. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in Western Maryland and moved to the city, if that tells you anything. Uh, I had two older brothers that enjoyed uh, beating the living crap out of me every single day since I can remember to the point where I'd go to the hospital sometimes, you know. And uh, going from that to a city was a big change for me. I was in a lot of flights, a lot of trouble, a lot of, uh, a lot of me not going to school sometimes. I'd show for strength training class and then football practice. That's the only time you'd see me. Um, I joined the Marine Corps delayed entry program when I was 17 years old for infantry. And uh, guess what? My, my, I had two older brothers. My, oldest, my second oldest brother, who's six years older than me, had joined. That's what I wanted to do. But I ended up getting so much trouble in school, in high school, regrettably, regrettably now. But you know, everything happens for a reason, I believe. But uh, they ended up dropping me from their program because I ended up dropping out of high school. Because, I was, because they were threatening me with suspension. And they were saying they were going to not only just suspend me, but basically kicked me out of the, whatever you call it now, the, I couldn't come back to the school anymore. Because what was happening is I was getting in altercations and fighting my brothers all the time. They were much bigger than me. Fighting high school kids wasn't much of a challenge when your brothers are 11 years old and six years older than you and they're not weak. <laughs> you know, they're genetic mutants. So um, when you, and nowadays you'll see, even when you're in a self-defense situation, when you, when you are able to defend yourself and they look at you and you're 250, 260 pounds, you're the bad guy. So you get arrested, you get in trouble. So that's how they were kind of pinning me. So I ended up saying, you know what? Forget you, I'm out of here. I dropped out. The Marine Corps kicked me out of their program. Huge pissing match. Huge pissing match. But there was an Air Force recruiter, and I was not interested at all at first. But she goes, she goes, I heard some of the screaming matches. I can get you into night school, get you your diploma, get you set away. And basically, I with, with the censored version, I said, get out of my way. I'm out of here. And, uh. I went to work Stone Mason, my cousins, for a little while. They have a big, successful, huge construction company down in Virginia where they actually buy huge properties now and redo the land and everything, all that crap. But if you ever work with family, it can get a bit tiresome after a while. So I ended up going back to that recruiter and saying, uh, if you can get me a job with a weapon where I can actually guard, protect, defend, do something like that, kind of what I wanted to do in the first place. I said, I didn't know the Air Force had that or not. And I said, if you can get me out here in two weeks, I'll do it. And sure as crap, that little lady, she did it. I had to go to MEPS, which is the military entry program place where you go take the test. But I already took all the tests for the Marines. So they just transferred everything over. I scored high enough for the Air Force and all that stuff. They took me into security forces, which was separate back then. Now you have the law enforcement side and you have the ground combat side. Well, I did the ground combat side. So I was fortunate to go to a lot of Army schools like aerosol, combatives, jump school, things like that. Sharpshooters, sniper, things like that. So... But my first spiel was in my first uh, base. Do you, do you really want all this? Go for it, dude. We got we got time to time to kill. I'm just trying to let everybody. I'm, this is all about you, man. You're you're an amazing you're guy, and you people know, need to know more about you. So we're just trying to make that happen. It's funny because you know when Daniel DiMarzio, he he writes a lot of books on martial arts, a lot of Japanese stuff, and he asked me about do they catch book. I said no. I said no, no, no chance. And then my wife was like, "Come on, let people get to know you, get to know you." And I'm like. Fine. So you already got more than he did. So, 
That's what I'm good at, man. I'm good at making you talk. You're dragging it out of me. Um, so anyways, uh, I got stationed at F.E. Warren Air Force Base. So if you're not familiar with that, that's in Cheyenne, in the corner, the southeast corner of Wyoming. Okay, So the work was done. The intercontinental ballistic missiles, the big nukes that in the world, they're guarded by Air Force security forces. So you live out there in these buildings that look like little ranchers. They're fenced in. You don't go anywhere unless you're responding to alarms or doing checks. And you live out there for four or five days. You come home for three days. Most of that's spent training. Weapons ranges, combat close combat quarters, stuff like that. Everything you can think of. I got some of the best training on military there. Even better than some of the Army training I got, believe it or not. They were very anal, very hardcore on PT back then. And uh, I did that for five and a half years. So it was a thousand days and nights of sitting out there by myself. You know, with a couple other friends, you know, you, you become close, you know, embrace the suck type mentality. Um, but I finally got the hell out of there. And the worst thing about Wyoming for me was the wind. I hated the freaking wind. Lowest crime rate, best place to raise the kids, but the wind that will drive you completely insane. And I wanted to get out of there so bad, man. And I kept putting in for orders. I put curry. I wanted to go to Japan. I was already grappling. I started grappling in 99 down at, near uh, Fort Collins uh, at Colorado State University. They had some grappling on the campus. And a friend of mine drove me down shot, there. Right? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah, not, not as long after that, I suppose. But I got to I got to New Jersey in 2003, and as soon as I got there, they sent me straight to the Army side. <laughs> They're like, you're coming from the missile field. You're going to be a little too anal and a little too militant for most of our law enforcement guys, so we're going to send you to go supervise some of the MPs because the Air Force had overall control of the joint base. I hope I'm not confusing you. If, if I'm confusing you at all, let me know. Because if you have a joint base, whichever the active duty side is, controls everything with the high general. So it became, it was basically the air force had control. So me being the air force guy took over that area with the MPs and basically a lot of the dirt bags that were, didn't want to deploy or whether they're airmen or soldiers didn't want to deploy. They were claiming injuries or whatever to search vehicles, which sucked, but it was the largest commercial search point in the United States. So I supervised there for three years during that time. I went to Iraq for my first, my second deployment. Cause I already gone to Saudi Arabia back before back in Wyoming. Um, from there, Went to Afghanistan in 2005. That was a long trip, but I got to do a lot of fun stuff there, kicking indoors, doing raids. We actually set the record in Afghanistan for weapons cache seizures, kicking indoors, doing raids for securing 84 tons of enemy weapons caches, which is may still be a standing record. That was past the Green Berets. We smoked everybody, and dude, we did it in armored Toyotas. Oh, we didn't. Shit. We didn't have. So we had, you're in Afghanistan. Armored Toyotas. Armored freaking toilet because there's no funding. Nobody cares. Everybody says Chair Force, Air Force gets money. Bullcrap, not since the Cold War, you morons. Not you. But the Air Force does not get that money like they used to. They did before from the Cold War. That's not the priority right now. Now it's all Space Force crap, right? <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, so from there, I got pulled into a quick response force for the Air Force called a CRW, a country response wing. And the mission there is basically wheels up. And eight to twelve hours, and on your way to a country anywhere in the world for air base openings with the hundred with the I'm sorry with the 82nd Airborne, the 18th Airborne Corps from the Army, and that was basically our specialty during that whole time. And during that time, you're going to specialized school. All you do is train. That's all you do is train. You live out the field. You take your guys out there and train them. And that's what I did as an NCO during that time. And just deploy, brother. Um, been in New Jersey ever since, man. I tried to get the heck out of here. I did. Just, you're back in New Jersey now, right? Dude, yeah. Well, yeah, I stayed in New Jersey, but it was never on purpose. And I had somebody comment about this the other day on, on Facebook. And I, I've been trying so hard to be more responsive to everybody's comments and, and try to be it's more tough. interactive and stuff. It is because it can be exhausting. That it is. 
Oh, shit. I just lost Joel. You there? Hold on. Hold on, Joel. I lost you for a sec. Hey, can you hear me? I can't fucking hear you, dude. Hold on. Hold on. I can't hear you at all. I, uh, do me a favor and drop back out and re-hit that link because I think something happened on your phone. So uh, while Joel is fixing himself, we can uh, go through some of uh, this funny stuff I keep saying from Bill. Yeah, he is definitely the uh, weapon of mass destruction in Iraq, and I definitely look like the little brother next to Joel. Joel – so when I went up to New Jersey at uh, Razor's Edge MMA and did the catch wrestling camp and taught with them, it was me, Joel Bain, Jake Shannon, and Kenny Lester. And I swear to God, I'm the smallest out of all those guys. And Jake's a fucking strength bean. There you are. I hear you, but I don't see you. Yep, you're good. Hold on. I'm, I'm trying to turn off all these notifications. Nobody else can bother me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you're getting used to it because you're getting crushed by a lot of stuff now because you're, you're really getting out there, which is wonderful. And, and that's, I think I'm proud of you. It's wonderful. Dude, it's so fucking annoying though. Like I I get what you're saying. Trying to be accessible to everybody is exhausting. And every once in a while you have to kind of pull it back and just take that time for yourself and just kind of shut everything off. I'm glad you've learned that so quick, but you know, I I just, I haven't, and I finally get in there real. So you, you're one step ahead of me right there. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. So I used to just just ignore it all and let let the customer service handle it. But you know, cause we know a few people that work for us. We got IT, we got, we got, we got people that do shipping and stuff like that. Not a whole lot of people, just close friends that help out. Yeah. But I, I can't deal with it. You know, we have, we have almost just, you know, I'm not trying to brag or be stupid, but you know, to build catch back, and this is a little off topic, so please forgive me. Oh, you good, dude. I figured we were going to get into this anyways. The old catch folks haven't done shit, okay? It's time out with the old and with the new. And 99% of our fans are Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners. You and I are BJJ black belts. We got into catch probably starting with jiu-jitsu and wanted to learn something else. It was kind of cool to add that to our game, no? Yeah, hundred percent. Kind of sort of right. Yeah, and I just I just fell in love with catch along that along that path, and it became my favorite. I still love jujitsu. I still teach jujitsu. I still love judo, but catch is just my favorite. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if I don't push out huge heavy marketing plans like Sears Roebuck style, we're not going to get those fans. So that's why you know I push those heavy big pages so hard for marketing. I chase them. I chase yeah. them and I bring them to say, hey, what you're doing is cool, but just check this out. You might like it. That's all I'm saying, you know, and, and that works. So we, we were up to between my page and some of the other pages, I think it's almost a half a million fans with a lot of stuff and, and it works. It's good because I see all this naysay stuff like, Oh, catch is dead. Catch is dead. It's white belts running their mouth that are full of the Kool-Aid. They have no idea what they're talking about. And they say there's no pure catch wrestlers. Well, there's no pure anybody. Sorry. Yeah. I'm glad you're saying that. There's no pure anybody. So when people say, Oh, Where's all the catch wrestlers in competition? Well, I'll tell you where they are. They're in ADCC. It's called No Pen Catch Wrestling. What the hell do you think Mickey Ryan, or what's his name? Or that, Mickey what's Ryan. His name? Nick, no, no, no. Yeah, that Nick guy. Rodriguez, yeah. What the hell do you think he is? A blue belt tearing people off. He's a freaking catch wrestler. He's an amazing wrestler. And what's John Dan here? Leg locks, front headlock, and fighting and escaping the turtle are his DVD sets. So he's repackaged catch wrestling, and my hat's off for him because he's not a stupid man, and it's working. So nothing is dead. The sport, the 1902 pen, yeah, not many people give a crap. 
Yeah. But the style is exploding and people are using it and not even realizing they're using it. And it's better than ever. It's high, It's more popular than ever. And those are the facts. I follow algorithms. I follow everything. So people, if you're listening, don't listen to the crap that catches dead. It's bigger and badder than ever. The technique is out there and you're probably using it and don't even realize it. So anyways, back to your question, unless you got something to say real quick. And, well, real quick, I, I'm glad you're saying fans because it, it's crazy because when I came out there and did that seminar with you, you guys, uh, Jake and Kenny and yourself out in New Jersey, Jake said something about how everything just kind of we pick up on each other's vibes and without even knowing it. And yesterday Jake came on the podcast and he was saying about the guys in the catch wrestling groups, they're not catch practitioners. And you know, fighters because they, they want to fucking fight. They, they go out there and they do it. But the guys in that group are fans and you don't always listen to fans. Okay. The opinion of fans is much less than the guys who are actually out there and do it. So I'm glad you're Absolutely. making that, that distinction between grapplers catch practitioners and the fans you know and yeah. i think that's really important to do right fans are good and i love them. i love our fans i love them with all my heart but i'm not going to a fan to ask them a technique yeah you know what i mean they're coming to us because there's a reason and and i'm grateful for that and i'm humbled by that so i don't really give a crap about their opinion on what they think is uh oh catch is dead they have no idea go read a book kids if you, you know, I can't make you interested in history. I can't force that on you, but it's all out there. Don't, don't be a blind idiot sheep. Go read a book. When I started, when I was getting heavy into jiu-jitsu, I got my purple belt in 2003. And where I was in Colorado, we were doing leg loss. Now they weren't as pretty as they got cleaned up by Sean and Eric Paulson and Billy mm-hmm. and those guys, but I was getting the hang of the basics, watching Pancrase, yep. you know, stuff like that, you know? But when I came to New Jersey, Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because now it's the business thing, right? Yep. It's the business thing. That's not safe. That's not safe. Well, all of a sudden, it's safe, isn't it? Because why? It's popular. Money, money, money. Yep. If it's popular, all of a sudden, now it's okay. We've been doing it the whole time. It's been safe the whole time under the right supervision. What a load of crap. You know, which is probably why I haven't started my own gym, because I'll have three students left, because I don't have a filter. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't. But I'm, I'm preaching to you off of things that I've read that I believe from good sources. It's not, I'm not trying to just give you, I'm not trying to fill you with my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who gives two shits about my opinion? I'm, I'm a fact-based guy. I read, I research, I'm a dork. And I try to, I get, you got to give credit where, where, where credit is due. Josh, if you taught me, taught me a technique and I go into a seminar and I, and I replicate that technique, ask anybody who's been to a seminar of mine, I will stop and say, this is where I learned this. Yeah. And I'm the same way, man, because that's how we keep, Everybody talks about lineage. I'm not a big fan of lineage and shit like that, but yeah. giving credit where it's due. Like I go every seminar, I'm like, hey, this is how I do it, but I learned it from this guy. Okay. Yeah. And you always got to give it back because without that, the history dies, you know? Yeah. And the modern, now don't hate me on this because I know you like Ashigurami. But you, you know, I bust the balls on just not, not the leg locks. Right. I know you, I know oh. you know your leg locks. So I ain't busting your balls there, but the term Ashigurami, I get, I hate worse than Kimura because yeah. all it means is leg entanglement. Yeah. Everybody's taking all they're translating. A judo Japanese term using catch wrestling techniques and calling it Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I have no idea how that works. It's like laundering a technique, like you would launder money. You know what I mean? Like, figure, I have no idea where this came from. I'll just call it this. It's fucking, it's catch wrestling. That's all it is. It was outlawed in jiu-jitsu by the Gracies because they got their asses kicked by the Fadas, the other lineage, because they did leg locks. Now it's cool again. What are they really doing? A lot of catch wrestling and catch, but you and I know catch is not just leg locks. Yeah. Catch is catch is head to dough. It's all the transitions and scrambles with submission awareness that nobody wants to work on. They want the fancy submission, right? 
hundred percent. And I think, and that's something Jake was talking about yesterday as well Is everybody's getting into the finishing mechanics of catch wrestling and the finishing holes, but where they're really lacking is the transitions and yeah. the setups. Yeah. Transitions to me are everything. You're most vulnerable during transition. If you can't get yes. from A to B, you ain't getting to see where the submission is. Nobody, any a-hole can do a submission. How did you get there? And if you're going against, I always tell my students this. From a, even, even if it's a jiu-jitsu class and I got white belts in the room or a catch wrestling class where we're new guys, I always tell them when you're working out, pretend the guy you're rolling with is the world champion, right? You're not just going to grab something and twist something on the world champion. So what I try to teach, I, I don't do, I mean, I guess I do it, but I don't preach it. The position before submission or the, the old catchphrase, which drives me nuts, submission from any position. It doesn't work that way sometimes. If somebody's truly controlling you, I guarantee you, if I get on you half north-south, half side control, you're not going to get me in the submission from your position. So that kind of debunks that right there. Yeah. You know, if you put me in your best position and I don't practice countering that, it's your position. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? So it kind of debunks. What I believe in and my what Snakey USA is based on is submission throughout transition, forcing entanglements and causing reactions. That's yes. how you get good guys. It's not be, they're not gonna, Marcus Almeida is not going to make a mistake in a five-minute match. I'm sorry. He's not. So relying on a mistake is the mundane 1993 bullcrap mentality, for, thinking that you're always going to go against somebody untrained. But you have to assume that you're going against the world champion. I don't care if it's the mailman beating up your dog. He's the world champ. You got to take him serious, yeah. right? So that, that's all I'm saying about that. Anyways, I go back to your old thing here. So I got a little brain damage. And that's that's actually true. <laughs> Dude. It's, it's actually true. My head's completely screwed. So bear with me. Um, so you asked me originally. I apologize for getting off base. Pretty uh, good, dude. So when I uh, I was jumping from school to school for a little bit in New Jersey, and some places I like, some places I didn't. I, I never into the big contract thing because I wanted to feel it out first. And now with the thirty day subscription, because it's kind of like, all right, well, I could be anything for thirty days, you know. And uh, and after that, that's when you really start to know anybody. Anyways, it's about a month. Yep. You know, you get a you get a feel for your buddies, who's going to be your buddy, whatever the crap. You get your own little clicks and all that stuff. Um, during that time, uh, I fought a couple of MMA fights during that time. And then I found Sean and I and actually, no, it's not true. Actually, I just lost my first amateur MMA fight. I was the main event down in Wildwood, New Jersey against the guy tied with Jeff Monson for points. Remember he used to have old rank.com. Yeah. Rank, well, he was, this guy was tied with Jeff Monson. Nobody wanted him. So me, my arrogant self, I hadn't lost matches in forever in grappling. So I'm like, screw it, I'll do it. Still active duty, no time to train really for something like that. But I'm like, let's do it anyways. So uh, and I'm getting caught in a north-south joke by by beating myself, turning my head out instead of turning in and just mind fart, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation today because Snake the USA wouldn't exist. I had no wrestling ability. This guy was an all-American wrestler, decent jiu-jitsu guy, controlled me on the ground. And I, I could bench press over 450. Did it matter? No, we know better than that now. Right. So that drove me to learning how to wrestle. I found a wrestling coach. He was an all American out of Cleveland years ago named Santos Caban. He actually runs the Henzo Gracie school down in uh, Lake Worth. And okay. yeah, yeah. he runs a school down there. He runs a big guy. Um, shortly after I met Sean and uh, we, we had to kind of feel each other out a little bit, you know, because we were very, we were very much alike, which was probably not a good thing at first. You know? <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, 
and he came in. I remember seeing him in the sling, and you may have heard this story before because he's had more surgeries than anybody. This has been through pararescue training like three times, and he never quit. His body was ripped apart with serious injuries, but they kept inviting him back because he was the class leader every time. The dude has no quit in him. Obviously, already been in Ken Shamrock's Lions Den. He was original 12. And everybody says they're in Ken Shamrock. That doesn't mean you came with the local Ken Shamrock's Lions Den. He was original 12 with Frank, you know, Treg Tilligman, all those guys, the old school guys, you know, and Jerry Bolander, the original guys that were there. They had to really go through the shit, you know, to, to be a part of that. So there's no quitting that guy. So he takes me down to this room that I was working out still and just trying to stay in shape to maybe do another fight sometime soon. And I'm still hesitant really hesitant with this but uh he throws the guy who is not really trained but he hits the guy with the you know uchimata same thing as a hank and catch wrestling but he hits him so hard with it you know they kind of go off to the side 45 on a good one yep. this this guy goes up over and i'm like now i don't think you said it but sean was injured at this time right he had a sling on sling yeah. yeah yeah he just had shoulder surgery for like the 20th time and he gets he gets Underhook comes in, hits him with the, the, the Hank, same thing as Uchimata in Judo, but he hits him so powerfully with his hips that gets kids easy 260, a solid 260, 6'5". Doesn't go off to the side like you normally kind of drive him off, pull the wrist, whatever. He goes up over the head, almost like a beautiful, perfect, over-the-top hip toss, or even a shoulder throw straight over the top. And I'm like, I know this takedown, not well, but that's not normally how it works. And I'm like, he's, even with his arm, I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. you know. And by then, it was, that was about 2005. Um, I know he joined uh, the Air Force after 9-11. He had come in. I'd already been for a few years, but we that's how we first met. Now, guys had told me about him because they knew I was fighting MMA and doing grappling for a while and just co-workers. And they're like, you got to go down to the to the warehouse and check out uh, this guy, this guy, Dockerty. And I'm like, eh. At first, I was like, eh. Everybody's a damn ninja in martial arts. Everybody's a guru, right? We, we've all heard that. But thankfully, I did. And we stuck together for a long time, man. And I was able to understand his uh, his concepts. He was the one that really got me believing in concepts. And, and I understood what he was trying to do. It wasn't just, here's the technique. There, there was yeah. so much more behind that. You know, it would give you ideas for possibilities instead of just, here's this, go drill it. And yeah, you did that. But then, okay, now what? And he would answer the now what? And I love that. And we would train two days for about three years straight. We would train the Army combative guys over on Fort Dix at about 5 o'clock in the evening, get off about 4.30 normally, 5 o'clock in the evening to about 7 o'clock, get down to the wrestling academy by 8, and we'd stay to like midnight, man, because we had the keys. And we had about five guys that were just sick, and we were just all mental. You know, we'd, we'd puke our guts out several times, just keep going, but we were cremating everybody. Um, now, this is when I was in that, quality, that quick reaction force for the Air Force same time. So if you're not training in the field, it becomes more of a nine to five schedule supervising the young guys. Yeah. You understand? Cause they're still yeah. doing career development stuff, courses and things like that. And you have to kind of sit there with them and mentor them and all that junk like that. Plus you're doing paperwork. Yes. There's paperwork, feedbacks, reports on them, um, evaluation reports, all that junk like that. Plus providing training material and building training material. So I know I'm kind of mixing the military career with Sean a little bit. Oh, you're good, dude. <laughs> just, just do your thing, man. You're doing great. We got a lot of positive comments on this. So Sean, uh, Sean's one of a kind. He was now, now when I met Sean, you got to remember how he came up. He came up with Ken. And in that day, I, I haven't got a bad word to say about Ken, but I do know in that day that Ken was a bit with his guys. He was very hands-on yep. and very much, I don't want to use the word bully, but if you got caught in a heel hook or a choke, it was getting snapped and you were getting choked out. 
you know, Sean blew my knees out probably six or seven times. And I had surgeries. Actually, I only had one surgery. My left knee is supposed to be replaced. Obviously, my right knee is supposed to be replaced. I'm a mess. You don't want to know. <laughs> so I'm 100% disabled vet. And a lot of it, a lot of it is from deployments and doing things, carrying 100-pound rucksacks on my back and repelling out of helicopters and doing stuff. But there is a portion of me that comes from wrestling for the Air Force and a lot of grappling and a lot of lifting too much weight for doing because I tried pro football workouts too. Um, so a lot, a lot of it's like a perfect, perfect storm to basically destroy yourself. You know, but um, anyway, Sean had that mentality of we would do drown proofing drills. We go in the pool in the back of the, the wrestling academy down in Pensauk. And, and it was like a pararescue type training thing where you would hold each. You have your partner hold your legs and go backwards and do sit ups in the water. So all the water is washing into your nose to, to reduce that panic. <clears throat> it's like a water confidence drill. You're basically waterboarding yourself and doing fucking sit ups at the same time to the point where you just don't care anymore. Yeah. You know, and that and being no know, knowing for a fact that when you get caught in a choke, you're an idiot and you're going night night. It, it, you learn to not even get there. It yeah. builds that fear and fear is the greatest motivator. And it's not a fear of necessarily going to sleep. It's a fear of looking like an idiot <laughs> over and over again. You want to get better, you know, and uh, and getting sometimes getting caught in something is the best way to learn it. You know, I haven't been caught in North South to it since I lost that fight back in 2006 or 2005. It just, yeah. it's, I think we all right. have one of the, yeah, dude, I, I have right. a, I got caught in an omoplata and transitioned to a triangle one time as a blue belt, and I've never gotten caught in that since. It just it sticks with you. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 my jiu jitsu professor, Carlos, he, uh, he told me a story where he got bulldog, he got a clock joked really bad his first class, and the guy was just mean and almost twisted his head off, and he never forgot that. And finally, he learned the technique and twisted the guy so bad. And the guy was like a pretty good blue belt. He quit. Just never came back, you know, because you, you remember those things, yeah, you know. Dude. So anyways, uh, anything else you want to know about the military stuff before I jump straight into the no, grappling crap? No, the grappling stuff, dude. I think that was a pretty good overview. Did half an hour on the military. Pretty so simple. I mean, yeah, pretty yeah. simple stuff. I mean, if you want. Oh, actually, you know, there was one thing I did want to ask you about. Your, your okay. time wrestling for the Air Force. Can you uh, go into that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So it's kind of a funny story. I uh, I can't remember what year would that be. 2012, November 2012, I had my knee surgery finally done. Um, in January, because I wanted to do my surgeries back to back. Now, in January, I did my shoulder. Now, it wasn't just my shoulder, though. I thought it was my labrum, but my collarbone was kind of sticking up from all the years of takedowns by then, you know, because I've been with Sean and, and Santos for years, just vicious takedowns every day, nonstop, because that's what I needed. Um, so when I go in, there's actually a guy named Dr. Carey. He's very popular. His commercials on here all the time now from the University of Pennsylvania. Great doctor. But when I wake up from the second surgery, this now, remember, November was the, the knee. This is January. Um, we're doing the shoulder. I wake up, and he goes, he goes, Joel, we had to move your bicep. Now, I'm, I'm loaded, dude. I'm like, so where'd you move it? You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I'm like, is it, I can't feel anything. I got, a, I got a nerve block in my neck. I'm a mess. And he's like, well, we had to screw it back in because it was torn so badly. We had to, we just ripped it the rest of the way off and screwed it right down the bone there. You should be good. Should be good, right? The labrum, of course, was torn. We had to saw a big chunk out of your collarbone just so it would drop down back into place, which, you know, recovered, thank God. But a month later, literally my first day back, uh, I got four weeks of recovery time with physical therapy and stuff like that. I had the ice, you ever seen the ice thing that goes on? Oh, yeah. Forces the ice. I had that on there, resting all the time, not lifting weights and obviously not grappling. I've gone from like a solid 250 to 
a sloppy 220. You know what I mean? Just a sloppy 220. I'm not doing anything. So yeah. my army buddies call me up. And they're, like, they're like, Joel, the Air Force wrestling team is here on base. They got a couple heavyweights, but you would kill them. And I'm like, I just had surgery, you goofballs. And he's like, they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm like, what did you just not hear? I just had two surgeries technically. Well, if you really want to add it up, it's like five. And within two months, when you put them all together. Yeah. And he goes, well, I already told the coach about you. And I'm like, now, if you know me, I showed up. And I, was, <laughs> I got my sling on. And now I wasn't 100% into it just yet. But I, want, I wanted to go check it out. Because to me, honestly, Josh, I didn't know. The only Air Force wrestling team I knew was the one out at the academy doing, mm-hmm. doing uh, you know, folk style. You know what I mean? High yeah. school, college wrestling. So I went and checked it out. And obviously, and it was it's not the same. It's the all-Air Force team where it's it's international. It's Greco and freestyle competing for legitimate shots on the world team, legitimate shots at the Olympic trials, things. It's a big deal. And I'm thinking, all right, this is a big jump. I didn't wrestle in high school. I started wrestling hard doing two days for years so anybody who says they had if they didn't wrestle in high school can't learn how to wrestle it's the same thing as learning jujitsu at right 30 or 40 never wrestled in high thing. school nope. you don't need to it's no. anybody can learn anything at any age it's silly i get that question literally almost every single day uh i never wrestled in high school i'm not sure if catch wrestling is for me well then how is jujitsu because it's still it's a learning process moving your body simple body mechanics there's no difference um as far as the way of learning right or the path so, uh, the coach thought I was insane. He goes, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. And his name was Richard Straley. He's the only coach. I'm not going to say a whole lot about him because we definitely got into it a lot after, especially our like third year together. But, uh, <laughs> it was because uh, I was the highest ranking guy on the team, on the old man on the team, the master sergeant. I'm 35 or 34 at the time. The kids on the team are 22, 23 years old. They're coming from one of our guys was coming from the University of Oklahoma, All-American. Um, we got guys from all these colleges that joined the military, All-American wrestlers coming in there, and some of them don't make the team because they cannot make the transition to international wrestling. It's, yeah, it's a it's different a transition. It is for a lot of guys. Some guys do awesome, and some guys just they quit. They just don't get it. They don't quit. I'm like, I can't do it. It's just like, hey, I'm just not getting it. It's not for me. You know, I'm going to go back yeah. to work, whatever. So uh, I stuck with it. Ended up actually being the other guys with one arm, and I, I may have been cheating a little bit because what I did, I still I took off the sling, and I duct taped. It was this arm. I duct taped it to my ribs, which means they couldn't get an underhook on that side. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I was getting my underhooks and still getting the takedowns and stuff and freestyle, no problem, because I could go for my inside trips and stuff like which I love anyways, and and uh, and move on. I ended up getting the getting the spot, but the coach was still like, I can't let you wrestle in the armed forces. Because something happens to you, <laughs> we're screwed. I said, what about the U.S. Open? Let me wrestle the national championship. He goes, fights me again. He says, fine. He goes, you are our heavyweight. He goes, if you want to do it, go for it. Worst idea ever. <laughs> you got to remember the cla- the caliber you're going against here. you know. And in my division, in my division at the time, for the whole time I wrestled for and, – and, this isn't this is not an excuse, you know. But the guys I had, um, you, may, you may not have heard these guys, but when you when you go to the Armed Forces Championship first, and it's the same guys that you faced at the U.S. Open, which is the national championship for Greco and freestyle. Um, the number one division guy for Greco was Dave Arndt. That's the Marine heavyweight. This is in the United States, number one in the United States. The number two guy in Greco was Eric Nye, the Army guy, heavyweight. Now you flip flop them. And it's the same thing for freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so 
those are my guys, and the Navy didn't even have a heavyweight. So, <laughs> so you make you do what you can with these guys. Fifteen years younger than me. Here I am, busted the crap. I had I remember going there with three herniated discs, bronchitis, breathing on inhaler, and looking at Floyd, who was the team manager. Floyd Winter. Yep. He he wasn't coach. He got rich the job, but he wasn't coaching it. He spent years with the Army, obviously. But he was he's like he's like you're insane. And I said I, said, I don't know. I said I know. I said it's not a matter. I said to me. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. To me, it's about going out there and saying, here I am. That's the most important thing to me. That, that's always been the most important thing to me. I'm not going to back down from a challenge. I'm, I'm not supposed to even be coaching. And I'll, I'll still roll. I'll still play. Hopefully, uh, the V8 isn't watching this. But <laughs> I'm not supposed to be. But what else do I do, brother? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Stop moving, you fucking die. Exactly. And you know, if I don't lift, you know, if I don't do some, you know, I don't lift as heavy as I used to. I get I kind of get to it sometimes, but then I back off because I'm in so much pain. Yeah. But if I'm not lifting exercise, doing flow drills or grappling, I'm in way more pain, man. Oh yeah, I'm me way too. Way more pain. So uh I wrestled for was it two years under Rich? Like I said, he was the only coach in the history of the United States to win a Greco World Championship. So he was he was a great technician, but as far as social skills. <laughs> not so much and i can take a lot of crap i mean i've been through some hardcore yeah. rigor, rigorous schools for the army and stuff like that where you just don't care you know it's a game and you play along with it and you just you're not going to stop um but he would get to the point where he'd say threatening type stuff so we had some incidents where i kind of threw him across the room and things got ugly so and we ended up basically getting booted off the team for being a scumbag i will say that rich you're a fucking scumbag there <laughs> so and yes i'm the reason you got fired so there you go for flirting with airmen's freaking moms in restaurants and being inappropriate and being a scumbag. There you hey, go. And those it's, are facts. it's like a fucking transition back to regular martial arts. It's like every fucking martial arts coach I know is flirting with the moms, fucking them, and banging it's people. Fucking, it's disgusting, man. Yeah. It's disgusting, man. It takes all the honor out of it. Yep. So anyways, me and uh, one of the other guys who was a captain, was he was one of the team captains. We were like, and we had All-Americans, and they weren't coming back if he was staying. So I wrote down to Air Force Sports, and I said, listen, I'm the team captain. Here's the other team captain. If this guy isn't gone, nobody's coming back. You don't have a team. And the Air Force doesn't get funding. It's like the Navy. The Air Force and the Navy don't get the same funding that the Marines and the Army do for their sports programs. Those guys do nothing but wrestle year-round. I still do security forces. The other guys still do whatever job their 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 specialty is in the, in the Navy or the Air Force. And then they come in for like a four-month camp train for four months and go face these guys and then move on to the national channel. And we get some great guys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And, and we've shocked many, many of them. We've beat the Marines and the, the armed forces championship. They train year long. We'll still go in there and beat them once in a while. And everybody's like, you know what I mean? But not until Floyd came along. And the, and the guy, his name's Steve Brown down at uh, air force athletics. He's like, he's like, he's a master on bang. He goes, who are we going to replace him? And I was like, Steve Floyd is on base right now. The training is on this base. He's been doing private lessons with me for four years in Greco and freestyle. Why not him? He's the one that got rich the job. He's got a, a bio that's one of the greatest wrestlers that's ever lived. It's ridiculous, but he doesn't promote himself because he's so humble. He's the most humble guy on earth. He will not tell you. He gets mad when I talk about him. You know, and he does. The first American to win Greco gold history and Greco gold in the history of the country. He's a, a former Sambo champion, a former Greco-Roman champion. He's been on the World Cup team, the world team. Dude, he's he's about everything. It's ridiculous. He's taught two national championships as a coach, produced seven Olympians. It goes on and on. He trained Randy Couture from nothing when Randy was horrible, all the way up, and Randy used to fly him out to all his fights in the UFC. And it goes on and on and on. But he's the nicest person. He's kind of been a father figure for me, so I've been very blessed that I didn't have that growing up. 
Um, we talk all the time, and uh, he's doing pretty good. But he's gotten to the point where, kind of like Billy, where he, he can't really can't, can't really get out on the mats. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's tough, man. It was it, it was kind of heartbreaking when I heard that. Oh uh, yeah, dude, I totally get it. And like you and I have that same background. I didn't have a dad growing up, so all my coaches were kind of filling those roles too. And it's really interesting because now we're in that other side of it, coaching people, and you kind of see the same thing repeating itself over and over. You know, it's just yeah. it it happens. You know. Absolutely. You're 100% right. So I stuck with Floyd the, the third year, and I shouldn't have come back. My body was so jacked up. But it was my chance to actually go out for Floyd. And he asked me, he goes, Joel, would you come out? He goes, I'd love to have you back another year. I said, you realize what's going to happen? I'm going to come to every practice. I'm going to be destroyed. I'll, be, I'll crush everybody for the first few weeks. You know what I mean? It didn't yeah. matter. We get, we get kids. I'm not trying to brag. I mean, you can ask someone if you can track them out. Uh, Eric Lepoxy, he's a great friend of mine. He was the, the, Amer- the Sooners from University of Oklahoma. All-American team captain for the Oklahoma Sooners came out to our team. More of a more of a competition day guy. You know, some people are like that. Yep. Yeah, some guys are practice so, from heroes. Some guys rise to the occasion on the competition mm-hmm. mats. So, so no offense to Eric, but he took his beatings from me because he was my workout partner at 97 kilo. I was the headweight. He was about 230. I was about 260, 265. But I was using a lot of different things that I learned from like Billy Robinson and Floyd that he'd never seen before. So he's getting beaten, getting a little depressed. And I kind of – we became friends. But after a while, my old butt starts hurting, and I can't move like I can. He starts getting the takedowns, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I would start expiring about two months into camp where, where I'm popping, gosh, I don't even want to say it, probably 20 to 30 Percocet a day and doing pre-workouts. Jesus I got Christ. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, verticalopathy or radiculopathy. Are you familiar not with that? It, it's a herniation where the nerve is pinched at the same time. There's not much you can do for it. So even if you're you playing that instead of making me sound like a dumbass, <laughs> the word sounds cool, man. It does. I'm still trying to pronounce it myself. I'm like, oh man, I've had those. I don't know what it's called, but <laughs> the only reason I can say it is because my wife, because she dealt with that stuff as a paralegal, she's like, say uh, yeah. it again, say it with me, sound out the syllables. Your Russian wife is teaching you these fancy ass words. Right. She's like, sound well, it out, Joel. Come on, Hulk. She hates the Russian thing. She's actually Polish, but (laughs) (laughs) don't let her hear you say that. So anyways, but she was like, you know, anyway, so we wrestled and I did, uh, I didn't know you with Floyd, you know, and, uh, but if you know me, I'm a technique geek. I'm I'm, I'm a driller. I I think drilling is king and I will drill it till I absolutely hate it because I think it's how you got to learn it, man. Because once you hate, once you drill something to the point where you hate it, you can do it without thinking about it. And then you go back to it and you're like, you know what? It's my favorite move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you've drilled it so many times, it's a part of you. Even if you hated drilling, you got so sick of it drilling. And this is the way it really should be. None of these young kids want to drill like that anymore. No. Nope. They want that high flashy crap instead of drilling that outside single five billion times. Yeah. You know? And uh, anyways, went and wrestled with Floyd that time. Then he asked me to come back as an assistant coach. And uh, by then I was, I guess I was 36 at that time. And I came back and helped him out best I could. I would teach a lot of the classes. And, and, and basically, I was more the enforcer in the room at that point, being a master sergeant, because you get a lot of young airmen in there who think it's a vacation to come wrestle, and it's not. It's basically, and like I said, I've been through some hard Army courses, and those, those, those camps, those workouts between Rich and Floyd were the hardest things I've been through. You know, they were designed to break you worse than any air assault schools or any tough Army schools like that. It was just because we had enough bodies. You know what I mean? And it was just, there was trash cans around the room. Everybody's puking all day long. And we would do four workouts a day with Richie was five. We'd get up at six o'clock, hit the weight room. Better be ready by eight for two hour wrestling. Noon, you're back at it. You get a lunch real quick. You're back at it at noon. 
you get a light workout of three, which is just basically drilling. Mm-hmm. And then you're back at five live practicing and doing matches after matches. You'll, you'll do easily 50 matches a day, every single day with the guys. So on top of conditioning, you know how it is at the end of wrestling practice. Now it's time for conditioning after you <laughs> wrestle for two hours, right? So it was tough, but I'm glad I did it. And so that was my job to come in as the assistant coach and do that because I became such a technique geek and I would listen to Floyd. Even now when I teach, you know how you sound like your coaches sometimes when you teach? Yeah. And, I, and I guarantee you at this point, oh, your, stu- your students do it too. Yeah. They'll say the things you say, and I've had mine say, they say, I sound like you. I say, don't worry. I, I sounded like my coaches too. Yep. So uh, that was my last year. So that was between 2013 and 2017. I was a part of the Air Force wrestling team, and I'm glad I did. It was I learned a lot. Um, uh, amateur wrestling is not my favorite, but I do love it. I love tying it in. I love tying in the Greco a little more than the freestyle because all the freestyle was already in catch anyways, yeah. except for, except for the bellying out stuff, obviously that's completely useless and grappling. Yeah, totally. You know, the part, the part tear position is out, but uh, as far as all the other stuff, it's, it's absolutely useful. Um, especially the way he taught it. So I was blessed to have that, you know? Um, yeah, that was the way it was on the Air Force wrestling team, man. So that's crazy, man. It's crazy. You got <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine going on for like three, four hour podcasts with just stories from your, your military days. But uh so from there you kind of transitioned and you started Snake Pit USA. And was Sean with you when you started that? Because I know he's one of the head coaches now, but No, Sean was when Sean was here originally and, and he was his wife was out in Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he just I know he missed his wife and stuff like that, and he needed something to do. And and I, I, after him showing me what he was doing, I knew this was the guy I needed. Yeah. Because he, he wasn't trying to sell me something. You know, he, he saw me as somebody who wasn't ever going to quit. He put me through the lines, didn't work out. He torched the living, the legitimate pure yeah. hell workout. I mean, it was it was rough, and I got through it. And uh, so he decided to keep me. So, uh, and he stuck with me. But for, because he did that for me, I ended up getting him a job down at that wrestling academy is the head grappling coach and it was a big academy you got guys from penn state to come out there and work out all the time it, it, it's gone out of business in the last two years because of stupid stuff whatever yeah. the owner was kind of a weird guy but the wrestling room was phenomenal it was basically an old weight room with like even the dumbbells had like no numbers on them you didn't know what you're grabbing unless you've been working out for a while right yeah so but in the back was this weight this wrestling room that was just it was like heaven for any grappler on earth i mean it was just it was huge and nobody's really in there except for the kids during their sessions you know or the, where the college kids come out and stuff like that but we would go back there and train sean got the job there for years um what was your exact question this is what no, i was, do. Was it really, my brain, yeah, my brain does josh well it's a really question just transitioning to uh the the foundation of stake big usa got yeah it, got it got it so I was with Sean during that point for a long time. And eventually there was a, there was a time where Sean's, his time frame was up in the military mm-hmm. and he went back to Ohio to be with his family. From there I was trained. I, I, I had, uh, where was I going? I was still working out with the army guys. I was training light at a couple of jujitsu schools just to stay on the mats. I had a lot of friends by then that we would get together and train with like at gyms, not just in a garage or backyard wrestling, but legitimate still training and studying and working on the things that we had learned and perfecting them and keep going on. And, uh, <clears throat> I came across, I had just had my, uh, one, and during one of the Army combative courses, I had torn my uh, adductor muscle completely off the pubic bone, which is, I don't know if you're familiar, the two rings down there. Yeah. I tore, I tore it completely off. And it was like the second day. So here I am, one beer and a couple of Percocet. I don't miss practices. So I go on there, finish the whole course, 
and uh, I was still injured. So I saw a thing that was close to here because I wanted to get my daughter Victoria into judo because I really I really like starting the kids in judo first because they're fighting live right off the bat. Yep. And it's it still has that old school discipline to it mm-hmm. that 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 I'd like to see wrestling. Wrestling definitely has it, but it's more of a screaming discipline. Yeah. She was, yeah, she yeah, yeah. Judo, judo's a little bit more of a. Uh, uh, old school Japanese kind of like Mr. Miyagi yes. style. And there's a lot of applicable techniques and right. things you learned, learning how to fall and like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So she was able to, she went in there and that was at John Potenza's school. And that was in Englishtown, New Jersey. Um, I didn't meet John at first. I thought maybe I did. I, I don't remember, but there was a big CSW flag in the back. And I've been following Eric Paulson for a while and, and, and started going through his DVDs. And I've been to a ton of his seminars and stuff like that by then. And I, I was still traveling, doing seminars this whole time, not, not teaching them, mm-hmm. but wherever somebody worth going to, I would go. And I'm a notepad dork. I would write down every single word. I literally have probably 50 pages of Billy Robinson's words just written down. That's where a lot of this thinking material comes from is looking back at those notes, drilling, perfecting, and then going to go shoot because it's all perishable knowledge. So I'm not constantly drilling it. Yeah. And I want to, I want to make sure the highest quality gets out there for everybody. But John and I, you know, John's an outgoing guy. He'll get along with anybody in the world. He just has that personality. Uh, you know what I mean? He, he's Mr. Happy go lucky. And I'm a little bit more, nobody wants to approach me. So, <laughs> so my daughter gets into the judo class. I still can't move my left leg. And, uh, She's doing judo. I really like the judo instructor. His name was Sal. He was from Italy. He was a black belt in, in Italy, but somehow with the International Judo Federation, he got he was a brown belt in the United States. Some bull crap. I don't know. So Freaking judo. You know yeah. where judo is with that stuff. Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. So, but he was a great kids instructor. He was very disciplined and very structured, or and he ran a very disciplined, all structured classes, which is what I wanted. But I would take her. But it was very sport. Epon, 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 right? Yep. So I would take her home and teach her the judo that I learned from Sean, which was a ton of Nawaza, ground yep. fighting, which basically was BJJ, the same as where, you know, it's where it gets it from. So we were still doing all the triangle jokes, all the half guard, everything that you think that jiu-jitsu admitted, right? And uh, doing all that stuff, even when I was kind of taking a break from the jiu-jitsu schools and uh, doing that. Now, eventually my leg healed up and I would kind of start jumping into classes. And just to practice and have fun with the students and help them out a little bit and stuff. And John and I started getting along and becoming friends. And uh, he had been to one or two of the Billy Robinson camps. And I had always wanted to do that. So I went with him. I can't remember the first one. I think it was San Diego. And then we did Utah, a couple in Jersey. And then we brought him out in Jersey for the first snake pit one. Now, let me set the story right here on this. Because technically, I didn't invent snake pit USA. So he sure as hell didn't. There was a female named Stephanie Sirocco, who is on our website as our, our fitness person. If you go to the, the Board of Directors Coaches Association, she was actually my, my, my conditioning coach for competition to get my weight to a certain weight, get my you know conditioning to a certain weight with high-intensity interval training, something that would mimic grappling when I wasn't able to grapple every single day. Does that make sense? Yep. So she came to me, and she had online business. She was bringing like 30 grand a month with her fitness, getting – getting girls in shape after after having babies and all this stuff and i'm like that has nothing to do with me and at first you ask yourself this question and i don't know if you had to do it at first but i did she goes the normal thing to do when you start she, she was pushing me to start a website mm-hmm. and she goes uh you're gonna doubt yourself at first because you're gonna say why me yep why how am i good enough you know even if you believe yourself on the mat when you compete and you're telling yourself you're the best which you should be right otherwise what the hell are we doing out there 
it's different. It's a different world. It's like, it's like, it's unfamiliar terrain. Yeah. So to go out there and you don't want to be perceived as somebody who thinks he knows everything because they don't have it all figured out. Nobody does. Otherwise we would have stopped doing it. Right. If, if we knew it all, I'd go build middle model cars. Now there'd be no more challenge. Yeah. But she was like, just give it a shot. And it took her months to talk me into this. Cause I was like, no, no, you got to sell me. So, uh, she eventually talks me into it. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm still active in military. My schedule's limited, right? So I got to call up. I, I, I was like, I can't do this alone right now. There's no freaking way. I didn't even have a name for it. But John Potenza and I go out to Utah. I said, hey, what do you think about working with me and doing a, doing a uh, an organization where we start actually putting videos out and stuff like that? You've been through some of the, some different lineages somewhat. But uh, – he had some good credentials and I thought maybe it was something we could do together as a team. You know, he had that, that personality. It was so outgoing, you know, and friendly, friendly, friendly. He could sell you on a smile when you walked in the gym, you know what I mean? And that's not really my gig. I'm a mom. If you know me, you know, I'm a friendly person, yeah. but I, but I can be a recluse sometimes. Um, my job I've always thought is to raise other people up as a master sergeant. It's not me first. I have to raise, if I see you doing some good justice, my job to raise you up and raise people up around me. I can sit in the background and smile and enjoy that and feel good about myself doing that way more than I can saying, ooh, somebody liked my video. I don't give a crap. I don't care if people like me personally. I'm not out to give to win an award of popularity. My job is to showcase catch wrestling and to lift people up around me. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. That's the way, that's the way I treated my military career. So John and I started. We did that. Snake USA got rolling. Um, we waited on the affiliation program. I didn't want to jump right into the affiliation program because there was no, there was no curriculum. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you say? You know what I mean? Oh, here's the banner. Put it on your wall. Now you're a catch wrestler. Give me a break. Right. Which unfortunately some of our gyms have tried to do and they got booted pretty quick. Cause we're not playing that crap. If you're not willing to get on the match and roll, you're not mm-hmm. going to be one of our coaches. You're not, we don't do that crap. Cause that's what all those a-holes have been doing for 20 years saying they're catch wrestlers. Cause most of them, what happened was these guys, in these catch groups, they went to a jujitsu school, got their asses handed to them, went and read a catch wrestling book. And now they're badass catch wrestlers. Right. Talking shit about everything else. Yep. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, that's hundred percent true, dude. And this is live in the catch wrestling group. So I hope they, they see this and kind of, you know, realize. Yeah, just just, just go back on the fact that I don't care if you like me. I'm not yeah. here to win your sport. <laughs> but I'm speaking facts. You've done nothing for catch. So either get on the bandwagon or get the fuck out of the way. That's all there is to it because you've done nothing. Um, we spent, I don't know how much money on doing this, man. I've probably spent close to a million dollars on building Snake Pit USA. You think I've got something back? No, it's a passion. It's a labor of love. It's a passion that you do. And people think I'm making making money on this stuff. It's, I have an income from my disability and stuff. I'm trying to do this out of passion and give my knowledge back from my coaches. Not that I think I'm special. I don't. I think my coaches were special. Yes. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to carry on what they were doing. And... Uh, Going to the past and trying to motivate people that sat on their ass is not going to help the future future of catch. You have to show the beauty to the rest of the world and, and bring them on board. And, and honestly, and people may hate me for saying this, jiu-jitsu is the perfect conduit for catch wrestling. You bring people in, teach them jiu-jitsu, start sneaking in those catch wrestling techniques, say, hey, that's catch, this is catch. And then they're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's it. You put up a big sign that says catch wrestling outside your school, good luck getting students. Nobody knows what it is. <laughs> People don't know what it is. You're very, if you do know what it is, you're very fortunate and you're blessed. Yeah. We're blessed to know what it is. Yeah. But we uh, we make a mistake in assuming that everybody knows what it is. And they don't. So it's our job to educate, right? So uh, 
so Snake Pit USA went on for a while. We did good. We had many. We've had over sixty some gyms overall, and some have come and gone. Good and bad reasons. Stupid stuff. Good stuff. Whatever. Um, uh, John went his separate way. He wanted to do more of an MMA type program. I wanted to keep it pure catch, and I just I couldn't back off of that. I couldn't. So, but bless him and, and all he does. He has his old school grappling thing going. He's doing great with it. He's doing. I've supported him. I, I run Snake Pit USA owns Catch Wrestling Magazine. It owns the ICWF, which we support everybody. We, we supported you. You know, I got your back with that. It runs yep. uh, USA Catch Wrestling, which Shake Shannon was nominated as the president of. <coughs> but if we don't take these things and do something with them, nobody's going to do anything. Nobody has. They're sitting on their butt, chatting on freaking websites, eating ho hos. I don't have time for that crap. Okay, and and, and it's. it's and I'm sorry if I sound like a jerk, but I'm sorry. I don't have a filter. Okay. It's just That's why we love bro. I'm going to call it like it is. And I don't give it because I can back it up. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. It, it's crazy. Um, man. Get... No, you're good, dude. And that, that's a good background of like where you came into building the association. And now I've noticed recently you've gotten off the heaviness of needing the pin and competition and stuff like that. And just from your background that you, we've been talking about for the past hour, you have a good armed forces wrestling background. You're a black belt in jujitsu. You come from a judo background as well. You you really are a hybrid grappler. And that's kind of where I want to, I know personally, I want to see where the sport goes is Pancras guy said it from the beginning. We are hybrid grapplers. And you said it in the beginning of the podcast, there's no purist in anything else. There's no pure jujitsu. There's no pure catch. There's no pure judo. And if there is, it's not effective when you have somebody look at MMA. You, we saw it in the first UFC. Everyone was a purist, and now everyone's fucking well-rounded and a great wrestler, great jujitsu guy, and a great striker. You can't be just the one style anymore. It needs to all blend together. I agree. I agree. Now, now having said that, when I teach, I do teach catch, pure catch. But yeah. when I roll, I use a half guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I use different things. It's, you're going to be your own fighter no matter what. And I think it's what you're trying to say, right? So when, yeah, I, teach, when I teach catch, I don't blend in jujitsu techniques. You know, I, I do pure catch. And when I teach jujitsu, I do blend in catch because it works. <laughs> That's one thing I will say. <laughs> Let me say this. Let me get some more haters while I'm at it. Because if you don't have haters, you're, you're failing. So <laughs> I learned that a long time ago. Catch, this, is, this is why I love catch. And again... I love jiu-jitsu, but if you're not doing everything you can in jiu-jitsu as far as takedowns, bringing in from judo, and doing all these other submissions that you call illegal by the IBJJF standards, you're holding yourself back. Okay, I do leg locks in a gi. I have no clue why your uniform would stop you from doing a submission unless you're in an IBJJF tournament. That is the dumbest mentality. Yep. I've been in gyms with guys that are my guys. And to put him in a heel hook, but I don't try to break. I hold it and make them fight out and keep rolling. He's like, what are you doing? You're in a gi. And then I remind them that I'm the coach and they need to go mind their own business. And I'm like, what does my uniform have to do with the style of my grappling? Are we in the middle yeah, of an IBJJF 100%. tournament? We're not in the middle of an IBJJF tournament. You are training for more than just a sport. Are you going to get attacked by a mugger? Somebody grabs your wife and say, oh, can't do that move. I've got my pants on. It's stupid. It's stupid. You're either fighting or you're not. You know, all or nothing is my mentality. I'm not going to hold back. And, and like you said earlier, catch wrestling is a lot more than leg locks and neck cranks. It's every submission that exists, every single submission. And that's why I fell in love with it because catch, this is what I was trying to say is as much as I love jujitsu, and I am a black belt in judo as well, and it helped my judo. You there, Joel? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Did you lose me again? Ah, shit. We lost Joel again. 
<sighs> Unfortunately, this is the first time this has happened in, uh, you know, my. You there, Joel? Yeah. Uh, we're we're back. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we got shut down by the haters. It's okay. Keep them coming, baby. Yeah. All point, right. Point point two zero cents to replace them on Facebook. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Man, the haters, guess what? They've been the problem the whole time, so they need to go. It's time for the new blood. It's true. So we've established that you think there needs to be the new blood coming into catch and stuff like that. You've also established that you're cool with a no pin rule set in the events. Now, going back to the history of catch, it was always uh, the rules were very negotiable. You know, during these bet matches and stuff like that. And I'm a like running promotions and stuff like that. I'm a firm believer of that as well. If you want to come in and do a bet match, or if you want to come in and I'm putting up a prize and we have two willing grapplers, the rules can be negotiated. It doesn't always have to be a points format, it doesn't always have to be best two or three falls, it doesn't always have to be no holds barred, all that fun shit. Going forward, how what are your goals in growing the sport is it a competition i know you guys did the king of catch for a while um yeah so we started with we started our first big tournament was at the 2013 world mma expo we put on the first catch wrestling tournament in new york city in over 93 years um that was back with john we did that together the next year we returned with world championship at the new york the the world mma expo Mm -hmm. we've tried to use these big platforms we went to the mr olympia we had to deal with the Arnold Classic, which we didn't do because we got screwed at the Mr. Olympia. We've had these platforms, and we've been putting on big shows for years. Now, I came out of pocket for that one we did in 2018 and lost a few grand. I knew I was going to lose yeah. a little bit, but I paid for that by myself to try to put, put a show together. And Jake helped me out a lot by bringing in Brandon Ruiz, Kenny Lester. Yep. I didn't – you know, I, I, I'd been around Brandon before. We'd been acquaintances and actually competed against each other before. But I didn't know Kenny. I didn't mm-hmm. know Kenny at all. So it was great. Now we know Kenny. Kenny's crazy. We love him. But that was something I think oh, needed happening. Now, Chris Crossing gave me the idea for that. He's like, let's do a show. And next thing you know, Chris wants to compete in it. I was like, all right, Chris, go compete in it. <laughs> and then Josh Barnett was in it. Josh gets hurt. Chris is out. And we're kind of moving stuff around. Eric Paulson talks me into putting Karan Jacobs in there. And, you know, Eric being one of my old coaches, he's like, Joel, you got to put Jacobs in there. And I'm like, no, this kid has no respect for anybody. He's trash talking Snake Pit USA. We never even acknowledged him or mentioned his name once. Why is he attacking my organization? I'm not bringing this turd in here. And it's so funny because ask anybody who was there, the carpet was rolled out for every single competitor the same. He got a paycheck from me with my name on it from my checking account and then goes and makes a video. Everybody hates him and it was so hard for him to be there. And then he makes a claim of uniting catch wrestling. I'm sorry, did you pay for that tournament? You didn't unite anything, asshole. You came to my show that you were promoted on and won a belt. You united nothing. You got your belt, took it home, refused to defend it like a selfish turd, and have done nothing for the sport. So people like that, like I said, it's time to move on. And you wasted Wait, I mean, it's, it's a, but we have some good matches. You live and you learn. We should have changed the rules up a little bit. You know, if, if you change one simple rule here, maybe put a shirt on the son of a bitch, you already lost his first fight. You know what I mean? It's his slimy as crap getting out of pins because he's so sweaty. And another thing was if you we had the point system where you get thrown above your feet overhead like Greco style mm-hmm. and lose the point the way Billy Robinson and Carl Gotch used to talk, he still would have never got past his first match with Johnny Buck. He would have lost. So, I mean, he didn't take Brandon Ruiz down one time. So he basically was in great shape, and I give him credit for that. He's got heart. He's got good conditioning. And 
I mean, my daughter can choke me out if she's better shape. I mean, I get tired. Doesn't mean you're a great grappler. Just mean you got good conditioning. It's true. Yeah. So I mean, that, we can get into that a little bit. I mean, that that was a match I really wanted, and I mean, I've kind of like moved yeah. past it and shit like that. Like, I, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. He's doing his MMA shit. It's the, just the not kid, worth. The kid's poison. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's just not worth getting my panties in a bunch over again. Like, he went in there and he. As much as I love everybody in that tournament, they were all super heavyweights and they were all almost 40 years old. You know, they're past the prime and he just outconditioned everyone. When you get somebody in there who's in their mid-20s, not out of shape, much bigger than you, and actually knows how to submit people as well as wrestle, it gets a little, a little different. But Absolutely. what do you think going forward will bring the new blood into catch like you're talking about? Honestly, doing the things that, that you're doing, I'm doing, uh, that Jake's doing is uh, is the best thing we can do, man. But we have to promote the art. It's, it's different. You have a brick and mortar gym. Yep. So your job first is to sell yourself because if people don't like you, they don't care what you're teaching. I'm in a little more luxurious position where you don't have to like me. You can just watch my videos. <laughs> you know what I mean? You either like them or you don't. And it's been successful so far. And I'm not, I don't. I know I'm coming off crying as a jerk. I'm really not. I'm just being honest. I, I really do. We do a lot of free stuff and try to help people out. We actually are doing a Christian ministry right now in, in Chile. Oh, that's right cool. now. Yeah, we have a preacher down there who was raised in hook wrestling from his father who's doing a thing in the community. So we do a lot of re give back stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you hear me with my anger, it's stuff It's just the idiots from the past, you know. Yeah. But as far as moving forward, I think really what we're doing and putting it out there for the masses, putting quality, legitimate catch wrestling technique out there, and just opening their eyes to it and letting them see the beauty of it is the best thing we can do. The sports, the, the biggest thing that's holding us back right now, and not in a bad way because I like watching the ADCCs, but if you really look at it with the no points in the first few minutes, it, it's catch wrestling with no pins. Mm -hmm. What are they doing differently? Not much. Not much. I mean, you can call it loot to leave because it's some guard work, I guess, whatever. But if I, there's no pins, why wouldn't I use my leg in that position? Because catch wrestling means what? by any means available. It's an open-ended book. I can do whatever the hell I want. Once you take out the pens, I can do more of whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You know? I think it's something people don't really talk about. It's in the name, catch as catch can, you know, by any means necessary. Any means Fair. available. It doesn't yeah. mean pen. It doesn't mean submission. I'm going to do whatever it takes, any position, any way. Now you take out the pen, you just opened up a whole new book of positions that I can use, and it's open. And that comes from Steve Scott. I don't know if you know Steve Scott. He actually said that he was a Sambo champion. And he preferred the leg locks from catch over Sambo. Mm -hmm. And he would say they're both open-ended. They're open-ended. Billy would say catch is not an art. It can Anything could be – I'm sorry, it's not a style. It's a set of concepts. Mm -hmm. And a set of concepts can be used anywhere, right? Yeah. And, and it can definitely be an art because anything can be art. You know, anything can be art. You know, the, the way I – chuck this thing in the trash can from 10 feet away that could be a piece of art if i hit it right just right with a j-hook you know <laughs> you get what i'm saying it yeah. could be art yeah um but i think if we keep doing what we're doing we're doing great i mean especially right now with everybody at home it's really easy to market you know i'm not yeah. trying to, it's this is i know it's tough for the guys that have the brick and mortar gyms my i really you know my heart aches for you guys and i hope that your gyms are okay and then hopefully some type of relief comes through um, I don't know what's going to happen with this Pelosi psycho, but we'll see. She keeps getting, she keeps getting in the way of everything. So there's my political yeah. belief right there. Um, I think there are some good people trying to help and trying to keep the gyms alive and keep it going. And you guys out there that are quitting your gym memberships, stop because you ain't going to have a gym to go to. I don't know what you think you're going to do. Okay. You, you, you're killing your family when you do that stuff. It's just stupid. 
I mean, if you don't have money coming in, that's different. But if you have funds coming in, a lot of people are still working. A lot of people have money coming in and they're saying, oh, well, I can't train. You ain't going to have a place to go train when this is over. So be smart, you know. Um, but if we keep doing what we're doing, a lot of it is giving back right now, too. I'm trying to put out free DVDs and give people stuff. Not to get a pat on the back, but just to give, you know, we've been around since 2011 and we've sold tens of thousands of DVDs. You know, we've done hundreds of seminars and people have been kind enough to grace us with their presence and time on the mats. And that means a lot to me. So the least we can do is give back a little bit like that and continue to show the beauty of catch wrestling. And I think it's the best way to win people over. You know, it's winning hearts and minds, right? You, you show them the beauty of it. Show them yeah. what it's really well, show them what it's really about. Don't come out and say that, oh my catch wrestling is better than your jiu-jitsu. I hate that crap. Snake Pit USA is not about the oh your jujitsu sucks. I'm a second degree BJJ black belt. Why would I say that? I'd have to be a moron. Okay, so jujitsu works. It's great. It's proven. There's nothing wrong with it. I love jujitsu. We are part of the grappling brotherhood. It's that simple. We're not haters. All these catch groups are like, oh, I hate jujitsu, I hate jujitsu. You probably don't even roll if you're saying that. But it's we are a part of a community that has to grow together. We really are. And, Can't let and the it, fans do the talking. So what they want they're gonna come and go, brother. And you and I are yeah. gonna be sitting here in 20 years, Lord willing, if we're healthy. Yep, hundred percent. We're gonna have new fans, and that's not a knock on the fans, but with even more people watching, man, it's just it's about sticking around and giving back, like you're saying. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about before I let you go is something that I really see that makes a difference in uh catch and jujitsu is the fact that catch has a very hardcore conditioning aspect of it. You know, like everybody talks about the gotch Bible, the Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, all that shit. Jake's got his sure. mates bell and all that stuff. Yeah. So obviously I've had people on the comment section saying you're basically fucking Thanos looking at you. So um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your conditioning routine, especially now that oh, we're geez. in uh, quarantine. Give a quick rundown for everybody, shit they can do from home. I'll tell you what. I'll show you guys what I work with right now. I'm here at the house, so I'll show you what. So right before this whole thing broke out, I took out a little bit of money. And Because, first of all, I hate going to gyms. Yeah. Because when I lift really heavy, everybody stops what they're doing, and it's really annoying. So I bought 900 pounds of weights, and I bought this uh, power tech thing. Can you see this? Oh, yeah. And this thing does – I bought a – I use this only for calf raises because for real squats is pure trash. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hook up, you know, 500 to 600 pounds of squats. And obviously it's not the same as an Olympic bar, but I can, get, yeah. I, can get, I can get the weight where I need it to see the calf raises and get in any exercise I need over here with all the different apparatuses, all the weights over there, all the weights over here. But over there, you got to have that too, right? Yep. <laughs> so yep. That's what I've been doing. So my basic routine is simple. I try to steer away from – from too much bodybuilding type stuff, make it functional, but you're not going to see me doing Pilates or yoga bands either. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't do power cleans like I used to. I can't do heavy deadlifts because of my back problems and things like that. But that machine does help me get into certain positions where I'm still able to move some weight, maintain some type of strength, functional strength. Um, nutrition's really everything, though, especially for me with severe arthritis and things like that. Um, I suck at it. You'd have to ask my wife about what she puts in my shakes. Um, <laughs> but she tries and I don't know. And a, a lot of prescription medications. I've gotten off a lot, and that helps me out a lot. But for basic training, remember Dorian Yates? Yes. Okay. So he had that high intensity interval training. Yep. So I try to I try to use something in conjunction with that and kind of blend it with a West Side barbell mentality. Nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. That's probably, that's probably when I first got in a weight with Dorian Yates was someone that I was really paying a lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that hits right at home with me. 
he had that rugged, tough physique where you could easily mistake him as like a world's strongest man competitor, not just the yep. bodybuilder. Nothing against bodybuilders. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But I'm not looking to look like that because we all know those guys get tired of the mats first. Yeah. Right? Too 100%. much muscle mass, too much oxygen, you get tired. But I still want that functional strength because I'm not a huge heavyweight. You know, and plus my injuries, I need that. That's fucking hilarious because everybody in the comment section is saying you look like my big fucking brother. Everyone's like, oh, you look at this fucking giant. You're saying you're not a big heavyweight. Dude, you're 250 pounds. I'm like 225. (laughs) Dude, it's only 25 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to actually get down to 240 because, you know, I've had, I had, uh, during that, that 2018 championship, I was in the hospital for a week and a half with a heart problem. And uh, so I've tried to back off. Uh, and that's on top of all the other stupid crap. You know, my both my triceps are torn. Both my knees need to be replaced. My left hip needs to be replaced. The, the radial that verticalopathy three places in my spine. Other herniated discs. The list goes on and on, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares, and I don't cry about it. So you just got to keep moving, man. And, and the biggest thing, honestly, is is showing up. Same as you with jujitsu. I know we can't go to gyms right now. So the, the, those, those body weight exercises, there's nothing wrong with them right now. It might even be great for your body. A lot of a lot of students are writing me and saying, I feel the best I've ever felt, and all I'm doing is calisthenics. And I say, well, then don't change it. Yeah, Keep keep doing what you're doing. This is a great time to take a break. But keep watching the videos. Keep drilling what you can drill. If it's, even if it's shadow drilling, I don't give a crap. Yeah. Absolutely. Keep your mind on point. And, and videos do help. I watch other people's videos sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to watch what I can. Now, I may or may, not, may or may not like it, but it's worth watching. And sometimes sometimes a crap technique can give me a great idea. I've had yes. brand new students do a private lesson with, and they do something horrible, and I'm like, do that again. You know what I mean? It's trash. But there's something in their transition that's giving me an idea. Yep. You know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as fitness goes, uh, the wife tries to drag me out for a walk once a day, and it usually doesn't work. But uh, I tries to do the same too. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So I'm, I'm not so, alone. Yeah, yeah. So we, we try to do that. Um, we just bought a puppy before this crap, and uh, he, he keeps me busy. You know, my my two step kids are here. It sucks I can't come to Florida right now. We're we're yeah. have, we have an apartment down there. I can't even come down right now because of all this stuff with the Florida lockdown. Now everybody's locked down. Yep. So cool. I don't know, man. Just try to stay busy. Honestly, just staying busy, I think, is the secret right now. And eating healthy. Everybody wants to eat all the junk. Because if you go in any right, that's the only thing there's plenty left of. All the toilet paper's gone, but there's 10 gallons of ice cream on every shelf. You know what? And it's true. Yeah, it's true. I've gotten some of that ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too, dude. I'm, I'm right there with you. But we're slowly trying to like transition back to healthy living lifestyle. But uh, I think that was a good place to stop. Before I let you go, where can people find you, find your products, all that fun stuff? Check out snakepitusa.com. Uh, we try to post all the upcoming events on there. Now, obviously, they're pending with the, the Chinese virus. Yeah. Um, so with that going on, if, if the gym is open, we're coming. I promise you, we will be there. We're not going to punk out until the last second on these seminars. And the airlines will refund your tickets right now. So don't be scared to register. I just got mine refunded to go to Florida to see my daughter to come down near you. Yep. I couldn't I couldn't go. We got refund. They have to right now. So don't yep. be scared to register for these seminars. Get out. Jake and I got a big one coming up in Texas. That's going to be huge. Two days, uh, a mix of scientific wrestling and snake pit USA together. Those are always great camps. I think it was a favorite one. I mean, obviously the one in Boston we did was awesome, but that one in New Jersey, just getting all the different styles and different mindsets in there. So I'm I'm hopeful that when all this is over, we can do some more of that kind of stuff. Let's do it again. I'm yeah, up man. for it. I'm always, I'm always up for it, man. I'm always up for it, too. So when this shit's over, we'll get a, a big camp going with you, me, Kenny, and uh, Jake again. Maybe we get some Wade Shallows in there and a few other guys. All right. We'll call it Monsters of Catch Volume 2. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, Joel. I appreciate you coming on here, man. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate and you. Close this down. Good seeing you, brother. Stay safe, all right? You too, man. Take care of yourself. I'll see you soon. You too, man. All right. That was Joel Bain. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to be back here in uh, about 15 minutes with Matt Kaplan. We're going to break down the rest of his uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner videos. We're going to be going around 1230. Uh, <sighs> fucking love Joel. So go show him some love, Snake Pit USA, as well as follow him at on Instagram and all that fun shit. Again, if you want to support me, check out my sponsors. Uh, my company is Wicked Warrior Coffee. Sorry, that's up here. Nogination.com. That's where you – it's a joint site. You can get your coffee. You can get your rash guards. You can get your shirt from there. CBDUME.com forward slash Starlord. Go ahead, get some CBD, and that helps me out as well. And then once again, big shout-out to Schismatic Industries for sending me the gear. Can't wait to put this shit on. Uh, they're doing pre-orders on their geese and no Gi Nation gear and stuff like that. So go ahead and get that shit as well. I'll be back here in about 15 minutes with Matt Kaplan. Appreciate you guys watching.